Welcome to another episode of your friendly neighborhood film cast, a weekly podcast where we spread the good word about movies. I am your host, Jack, and with me is returning guest, the lovely Lydia. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be back. I am so happy to have you back. And today we are discussing another movie about teens, very different movie about teens from the last one we did. And that is the 2019 film Booksmart. This was directed by Olivia Wilde, and it is described by Google as Academic overachievers Amy and Molly thought keeping their noses to the grindstone gave them a leg up on their high school peers. But on the eve of graduation, the best friends suddenly realized that they may have missed out on the special moments of their teenage years. Determined to make up for lost time, the girls decide to cram four years of not-to-be-missed fun into one night. A chaotic adventure that no amount of book book smarts could prepare them for. So, Lydia, what is your background with book smart? I saw this movie last year. A friend recommended it to me. And I saw it during quarantine around the same time I watched several like coming of age girl movies (laughs) for some reason several of them were recommended to me by different people around the same time so I saw Edge of Seventeen and Eighth Grade love it and um, Lady Bird and then also Booksmart nice I am a huge fan of coming of age movies in general So I was definitely really looking forward to seeing this one. And I wanted to see it in the theaters, but I kid you not, I made several plans with different friends to see it and all of them fell through for one reason or another. So at some point I just kind of figured I'm not meant to see this movie in theaters. Like this is fate telling me don't see it in a theater. So I uh, waited until it was available to rent and this is going to sound like an old-fashioned sentence now, I went to the local video store and rented it as soon as it was available. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret, which will not be a little secret once this is aired, but for now it's a secret between us. I actually did not like this movie the first time I saw it, but... It has really grown on me throughout time. I rewatched it on Hulu last year, so probably right around the same time that you watched it for the first time. And I don't know if it's because maybe the first time I was disappointed because I had different expectations of what it was going to be. I I will note that this yeah. was one of the few movies that I had seen a trailer several times before seeing the movie and I think that that kind of skews my expectations of what a movie's going to be, and that might have played a little bit of a role in it. But on the second time rewatching it, I liked it a lot more, and I appreciated what was going on in this movie. And now I have resubscribed to Hulu several times throughout the past year to rewatch this. It, it has really grown on me, and now it's one of the most watched movies that I have seen in the past couple of years. So interesting. You know, I really liked it the first time I saw it, but I also saw it in conversation with all those other movies that were out around the same time. And so I watched it for the second time this week to prepare. And 
I don't know if I liked it as much when it was stood on its own. So we're kind of opposites, and that's really exciting. This is very exciting. I'm actually glad that we're kind of on opposite ends. This is going to be good discussion. What are your overall thoughts? I'm curious now. I will say that I love a good comedy, and I think this is a good comedy. Like, it's it's a funny movie. There are several times when I laugh out loud, and overall, I think the acting is really great. It's really fun. You know, so many teen movies, it's so clear that they're like 30-year-old adults playing teenagers. But in this movie, I mm-hmm. believed the lie a little better. Like, they felt more like teenagers. They were all a little awkward in their own way, even the way they walked around. <laughs> I believed yeah. it. You know, I believed they were teenagers just a little bit more. Um, I have so many different things I want to talk about. I mean, overall, this... I'm embarrassed to say, maybe I'm not embarrassed to say, but it's, I can very clearly see the parallels between this movie and like Superbad. You've seen that? Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, very generally teens facing obstacles on the way to see a party, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. But that one's crass and this one is more clever and like the dialogue is very quick and feminist and funny, which is great. It. This movie feels like a studio comedy film, but at the same time, it feels like an indie drama or like an indie, yes. you know, comedy, which is, it's kind of nice, you know, it's kind of unique in that way. Yeah. I think that overall, this is very fun and stylish. I completely agree with your statement about how it simultaneously feels like a studio comedy, but also kind of an indie drama. And I think that the blend of those two makes it a very unique experience. So it definitely has more style, I would say, than other coming-of-age movies do in recent years. And I don't want it to sound like I'm not saying that movies like Edge of Seventeen or Lady Bird don't have style, because they they do. It's just different. Yeah, the editing here was very quick. It was very stylized. Everything looked shinier. Yes, and kind of more colorful too yeah i mean literally very much more colorful very yeah even the clothes that they wore like molly's first going to school outfits got that great yellow i can't remember if it's a dress or like a jumpsuit or overalls but it's their clothes are fun and like the hallway Mm -hmm. is colorful and then there's that scene with confetti and like water were they water balloons or water condoms i don't know but like there's splashing there's color there's joy throughout the whole thing yeah And I also completely agree with your statement on the acting and how all of these people are very believable as teens, even if they're in their mid to late 20s, you really do buy into them being teens. Like, I was actually kind of surprised to look up their ages and realize that some of these people were literally the same age as me. That was a little bit scary. But, uh... That's crazy! (laughs) Yeah. And I think that Something that I've grown to appreciate about this movie every time that I watch it, even more so, is that Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Deaver, the two leads, I think that they're really doing a lot and showing a lot of range for a movie that's primarily a comedy. Like, they they really have to go to a lot of emotional places at different points in this movie, especially for what takes place over mostly just one day. But that's very true to the teenage experience. Like, that's the point of your life where you're going to experience the most dramatic of emotions within such a short time frame. 
One other thought that I do have about this movie overall is that it has a really strong sense of place, which I can always really appreciate about a movie. Like, all of the places that they go to feel like actual places. Yeah, like the, um, like the pizza place, even, that we don't even go inside. Yeah. Or um, the different houses. <laughs> Her apartment. Yeah. Um, I guess it's Molly, Amy's apartment that they're in. Molly's apartment that they're outside the airport. Yeah, these all seem like real places you and I could walk to. And they don't seem like a a sound stage. I mean, I I'm pretty sure they did film on location for most if not all of these places, but they they feel lived in and real rather than there's some movies that you watch and even if it's like not to sound like I'm dragging the MCU, but there's a lot of times where you can tell this pizza place was built just for Iron Man and the Hulk to fight in it. Not that that actually happens in any movie, but just, you know, something that I could think of off the top of my head. Yeah, you know, I guess they can't really film scenes where, like, a hero's crashing through the wall at a real restaurant. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's all very... Yeah, it's... feels very fake. This movie, everything does feel very real. Real places, real cars, real Mm -hmm. school, real everything. Yeah. I mean, this movie nails what it's like to be a teenager. Because the highs are really thrilling and exciting, and the lows are, like, full of potentially irreversible mistakes. (laughs) But you have your best friend by your side, so it's all gonna be okay. Yeah. Very quintessential teen movie. Mm Mm-hmm. With that, would you like to, uh dive into the spoiler section oh yeah i mean you know i rewatched the trailer like 20 minutes before we started recording and i realized it kind of spoils the whole movie already like it there's does. a scene where amy goes into a cop car which i would consider kind of the spoiler it's oh yeah you kind of know where this movie's going to end up when you start it you know it's not meant to hurt. It's meant to be mm-hmm. joyful and funny. And so you know that everything's going to be okay. But I will say, okay, the plot is funny. Like, I love... This is pre-spoiler section, I guess. But, like, the scene where Molly's in the bathroom, the very beginning, and she's correcting the graffiti on the wall, which is very funny. <laughs> and then she hears the popular kids, mm-hmm. like, trashing her. And then she comes out of the stall. She has this great moment where in any other movie, it would be her standing up to the bullies, showing that she's going to be okay and that, like, life is going to be great. But it turns out she's really just self-righteous and, like, smug and a little snobby. And Mm -hmm. her whole world crashes down. It's like, what's the point of trying so hard? And so then she decides to cram all of high school into one very long evening with her friend. Like, you cover everything they like get drunk they crash a house party they take lsd they take drugs or whatever they one of them vomits on a potential love interest (laughs) they spend the night in jail like they cram everything into one night and i can't help but think back on that comment you made during our thoroughbreds discussion where you said that that movie made you nostalgic for high school now i'm wondering did this movie do the same I'm glad that you brought this up. I'm glad that we're circling back to this because actually, I think one of the reasons why this movie didn't click with me instantly is because it felt so different from 
my personal high school experience and not that a lot of movies um feel necessarily close to what my high school experience was but a lot of them I can find common identifying factors and this was the first coming of age movie that I have seen where I felt initially like this wasn't made for me and I've never felt that way before (laughs) I you know I absolutely agree no you're totally right because these girls are too cool for what they would actually yeah. be. There's, there are no like cliques in this school. Everyone is like friendly and accepted, even though there are like little groups. It's still, it's very much, it's it's like a weird group. It's almost, It almost feels like one of those really small rural schools where everyone's been in the same 10 mm-hmm. people in a class for years, but it's an actual huge LA suburb school. I don't know. There are an outrageous number of people in that school going to Ivy League universities and there are Chinese lessons and like the privilege seeps into every little moment like there I did not have the opportunity to learn Chinese when I was in high school you know (laughs) there were definitely cliques in my high school and my biggest critique of this movie second time through is that no one faces real consequences for anything there are, like no one in this film seems to be dealing with big actual problems yes like there's no family problems there's no drug problems even Gigi, who does drugs it's just like a fun thing it's not a problem right there's no abuse or alcohol i mean there's alcohol but not like there's no bad things there's no consequences mm-hmm. one of the characters gets arrested and there's still no consequences her friend brokers a deal <laughs> with the police to get her out of jail like that's the biggest critique I have of this movie. There aren't consequences for anything. You know, I wonder if I would have related to this movie more if I had had like a super close best friend in high school that I was codependent with. You know, I did not have that. I don't know if a lot of people actually have. It's very yes. idealized. That's the thing. Thank you. That That's a good way of articulating it because I definitely did not have that experience. And I think that that's something that movies in general try to make you believe that you need to have that quote unquote best friend. And I saw that a lot throughout high school with, you know, people wanting to find that best friend, but that personally like never happened with me. I've seen other movies where they, the character does have a best friend, but it just... I don't know. There was something about this movie that I could not connect to the characters as much as I usually can in a coming-of-age movie. And I am glad that you did bring up the privilege because um, even though thoroughbreds made me kind of miss being a teen and they are obviously very privileged. it There are consequences to the privilege in that movie, though. Yes, definitely. And um, they're not doing as much. Mostly it is just them sitting around in a living room watching TV or, you know, hanging out. Watching the murder. Yeah. I don't know. It's just very different. But yeah, I think that was one of my biggest hangups with this movie as well and that there weren't any consequences. And it doesn't feel like there's any actual resolution with the codependent relationship between Amy and Molly. Like there's that huge blowout argument that they have. And it feels like it could be a really big turning point, but then they just kind of make up and they don't really 
resolve anything or it doesn't seem like I mean I guess that Molly actually going through with you know going to Africa for a year was good for her but I don't know it just doesn't uh provide as much growth for Amy I think one of the lessons they should have learned is that codependency isn't healthy like having a close friend is healthy but they have to bring yeah. down a little more. And they didn't learn that. And you're right. You know, that that fight scene, I think, is filmed really well. Like how the camera moves between the yes. two. But when it gets really heated, the sound cuts off. And the first time I watched it, I loved it. But then the second time mm-hmm. I watched it, I was like, there are so few consequences in this movie. We can't even see them say anything more than like slightly mean to one another. The sound just cuts off. That's true. I do really like that moment, especially when we can't actually, which I keep switching their names. So I'm so sorry to listeners. I probably said Molly when I went meant Amy or vice versa. But when Molly, we can't hear her say this, but when we just see like tears running down her face and her mouthing the words, fuck you to Amy. Ooh, that feels like a gut punch every time I see it. But I like it. I don't know. I'm weird. I like stuff like that. Well, you know, that whole party scene is great because, I mean, I love a good high school party scene because I definitely don't think that's the real experience for most people going to high school. And I also am reminded by how much things hurt and matter when you're 16, 17, 18. Like if I had a quote crush on a guy and I saw him kissing another girl, I would say, okay, time to move on with my life. But instead, it devastates them to the point that they're fighting one another. You know, like, it, everything hurts so much when you're a teenager. But also, it's fine the next day? Yeah, it's it's a little unclear. But, I mean, they make up for it because their chemistry is great. Amy and Molly's chemistry is great. Even on the scenes that they don't have, like, when they're alone, which are very few, I still think they yeah. have great chemistry. Such a good dynamic. I mean, I didn't think of the name of the movie and how it applied the first time I watched it. But the second time I was like, okay, they're brainiacs with a ton of book smarts and like trivia content in their head, but they have no street knowledge. They have no emotional intelligence. Like they don't know how two people have sex. They have to watch porn. They don't know what to wear to a house party. Their teacher has to dress them. They don't know how to not get murdered by a pizza delivery person who has to tell them to not go into strange men's cars. And it turns out he actually murders people. So like they have, how, they're so smart. How have they not learned stranger danger? You know, like how have they not done the research to figure this stuff out? That I kind of don't understand. That is a good point. I am glad that that plot with the pizza delivery guy had a payoff because the first time I watched that, he was so specific in all of the ways that they could be murdered. I'm like, this guy sounds like he's been around the block. And I'm I'm glad that there was payoff for that. I mean, it's first of all, it's hilarious because they tie their it hair is. around their face to be a mask. And then the pizza delivery guy's like, I could just, you know, take you on this ramp in 40 minutes. We'd be in a different state, crossing state lines. You know, you'd be dead. <laughs> They'd never find your bodies. And they're like, well, can you drive us to his party? <laughs> they're, just, they're just freaking dumb. I don't... I don't, I don't get it. We also have to talk about that, the drug scene, the Barbie, the stop motion scene. I have several thoughts, but I'm curious to hear yours. What did you think of the Barbie interlude? This is the one scene where as long as I am watching it on my own 
and not like watching it with a group of friends where we all have to watch the entire thing together or something, I fast forward through that scene because I'm really unsettled by the stop motion animation. I like stop motion sometimes, but something about this one in particular, I understand that it's technically funny, but not for me. Not for me. How about you? Well, I kind of liked it because it's it's funny that like being Barbie dolls is their worst nightmare. Like the, and then they walk the legs that don't bend are very overemphasized. And then they walk yeah. out of the house and their legs don't bend. Like that part's funny. But I, I will say, you know, I usually do I think drug interludes are usually done really poorly. Like there's an episode of Broad City where they do a bunch of drugs like more than they usually do and then everything is like technicolor and weird and I, I skip that one too because it's just it's not done very well this one I did think was kind of funny there's the moment where Amy's doll falls or is about to fall and Molly's doll is like take my shoe heel and put it in the hole in your hand <laughs> so I can pull you up it's also very weird I saw this movie twice I forgot it existed you don't see it coming and also, like, it seems really convenient. You know, like, apparently they had drugged strawberries at one party, and it wasn't until they were told they had drugged strawberries that the drug started to take effect. Um, yeah. Don't know if that is how it would actually work, but still funny. Yeah, I agree. Like, this movie, a lot of the stuff, if you really think about it for too long, it all kind of falls apart, but in the moment, it's funny. I do want to touch on specifically in the the party sequence this was the most impressive scene to me the first time that i watched the movie and it it remains that way is um the scene where amy is uh diving into the swimming pool and slip away by perfume genius is playing perfectly and I watched an interview with Olivia Wilde where she was explaining that they didn't have the song for the longest time. They just kind of filmed that and they were trying out different songs. And when they got to that one, it felt like almost serendipitous just how well it matched with the scene. And I really like how she articulated this, too, because I felt that way. But it wasn't until I heard her explain it that I was like, yes, this is this is why I like it, because up until that point, the movie has just been a comedy. We haven't had really a serious moment yet. And that sequence of Amy diving into the pool kind of allows us to dive into this more serious sequence, which is like the next five to ten minutes where they're fighting and things are kind of not as good for either character. But that was like kind of the transition that she wanted to put in to kind of get us from one thing to another and I I really liked that a lot like that's the scene that stuck the most with me it's quite lovely and the camera work it's below yes. the water the whole time and so it's really interesting to see her swim among these bodies and legs <laughs> but it's yeah it is kind of the transitioning moment that's kind of like the spoiler moment like anything after that is spoilers mm-hmm. maybe but yeah that was a beautiful scene I also really liked the karaoke scene. Like, the colors were really nice. And there's that moment where... Is it Ryan? The love interest that turns out not to be? The skater girl? Mm -hmm. The skater girl. Um, There's that moment when the skater girl puts her elbow on Amy's knee. And you're like, this is a good sign. You two are together. It's going to be great. And it's it's not great. (laughs) But it's just, you know, the colors are right there. They're, like, pink and warm and beautiful. 
whenever that little romantic moment happens. And then the pool happens, right? So transition into things a little more dark. Oh, and to continue the the transition too, after Amy is underwater and she sees those two pairs of legs and then she looks up and it's Ryan and I, I think maybe it was Nick was Molly's almost love interest when she realizes yeah, it's hard to tell yeah when uh she realizes that those two are together and the song cuts out but then there's like dramatic music playing there's just one here we go again with one continuous take there's one continuous take of amy getting out of the pool and you know getting her dress back on and she's like walking through the house and kind of like shivering and that was such a a quiet moment that I really liked a lot because I do feel like that moment really articulates something that I don't think a lot of movies get is how cold you are when you first get out of a pool and then you're putting your clothes back on and you're still kind of shivering and I really liked that moment too. Yeah there was no toweling off right because she was panicked and yeah. she was trying to find her friend and that's another thing this could only happen to teenagers because any rational adult wouldn't say, I want to leave. You know, they'd say, I just saw Ryan and Nick making out in the pool. Can we leave? And that would make a lot mm-hmm. more sense. <sighs> you know, okay, let's talk about... I, I think it's great that this film kind of rejects this idea of most male comedy end of innocence, like coming-of-age movies, because those are all about white boys obsessing over losing their virginity or, like, objectifying girls. And in this one... Like, the whole thing passes the bestial test over and over again. And one of the leads is a lesbian. And mm-hmm. that's a view of sex- sexuality that doesn't include men at all, which is totally opposite of most of these movies. And it's still a great answer to the question of, like, can their friendship survive this wild night? I don't know. I really liked that. Um, she is so comfortable with her sexuality. Her friend is so comfortable with her sexuality. And I think that's really nice. Right? I mean, it's female friendship and fun and feminism, and it helps build them into three-dimensional mm-hmm. characters and not just overachieving a sticklers, you know? Yeah, I'm glad that that was normalized and that there weren't, I mean, not that there weren't jokes made about it, but it was more Molly teasing Amy rather than like her being ridiculed or teased by other people for it. Yeah, there isn't really... There isn't homophobia at all. And I'm not saying there should have been. Yes. But like, not even from Amy's, you know, Christian evangelical parents who are apparently very liberal and very accepting of her and her girlfriend, which is a very funny scene that does not get enough time when they have mm-hmm. all the food and they're like, everything's a pun on graduation. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, So I also will say, and this is a little critique, not of the movie, but of the girls. It's like a lot of performative feminism, right? They're like flashing the names. They're like have the posters and the bumper stickers. And at the same time, they are repeatedly slut shaming another girl in their class. So, Mm -hmm. um, so much so that the girl has to confront Molly and say, hey, can you not call me this derogatory nickname when we're both at Yale? <laughs> like, that's how bad it is. So, you know, it feels like they're, I mean, they're growing. They're still learning. But yeah, they have some work to do for sure. They do. I'm curious. Do you have a favorite side character in this movie? I was thinking about it. And there are a 
lot of characters in this movie is the thing. It's almost difficult to keep up. My favorite, ugh, I feel so old saying this, and I, but I think the principal's really funny. <laughs> like, he's, I mean, on the last day of school, these annoying seniors come in to bug him about shit he doesn't want to think about, so he's like, get out of my office, goodbye! And then later, he's driving the Lyft, or the Uber, or whatever. <laughs> and I just, what a nightmare! You get into this Uber to drive it, and then your students come and sit in the back. Oh my god, what a nightmare. So bad. I also really liked the, um, the musical theater kid who holds the murder mystery night, and then he talks to his family and he's like, you know, I have the house for the rest of the night. Shut up. <laughs> I think he's hilarious. Who was your favorite? It was George, the musical theater kid. He was so because, like, perfectly mean, you know? Yeah, that was the closest. That was the most representation of my high school experience that I felt was like that kid being the quintessential theater kid. Like I knew so many people that if they weren't exactly like him, they were different shades of him. And uh, I think that he was really funny, especially when he's singing You Ought to Know in the karaoke scene. He's like, I want you to know. He takes it so everything is a performance and every performance is serious. And that makes him hilarious. We all know a kid like that. We all went to school with a kid like that. It's just, we either were that kid or we knew that kid. So it fits everyone. Exactly. And um, in the murder mystery party scene where I forget the other kid's name, but one of the other kids is like saying his dialogue and you see George next to him mouthing everything because you know that he wrote every word and he needs everything to be perfect. So he's just kind of mouthing along with it it's so funny but yeah I really liked the principal too I think that Jason Sudeikis is just so charming which I need to get around and watch Ted Lasso because I've heard nothing but wonderful things about it and uh I laughed out loud at the part where they were um watching porn in the back seat and oh god it's so cringy I'm not even gonna get into it but where he just kind of turns around says was that uh Cardi B? That's so cringy. That's absolutely... I had to... I almost skipped ahead, but I was like, nope. I haven't seen it recently enough. I need to rewatch it. And, oh, so cringy. Oh, what a nightmare for everyone. Oh, man. <laughs> Accidentally playing porn over the speakers of your principal's Uber. Just such a cringe nightmare. Okay, speaking of people who work at that school, let's talk about Miss Fine, who is so great. In the first 45 minutes of this movie. Mm -hmm. And then absolutely crosses a line, in my opinion. Because, okay, I am very much, like, consensual adults over the age of 18, whatever. But, like, she crosses a line here. He's a high school student. He's her student. And they clearly sleep together. I don't care if he's of age. It's, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. And it felt really out of place with the rest of the movie to me. What did you think? It does feel very out of place especially compared to everything else that we've seen in the movie and I think that was another aspect of the movie that didn't feel real was her relationship with Amy and Molly I mean I definitely had teachers that I feel like if it wasn't in a school context I could have been friends with them and like we did have kind of more of a 
peer-to-peer relationship almost in a way, but never to the point where like they were driving me places or letting me wear their clothes or... And I know it was their last day of school, but there has to be... When I was an RA in college, I wasn't legally supposed to drive my residence places, even though I did it literally all the time. So what's the deal? You know, the crossword scene, I kind of get because there's something with English teachers and like their students and you have, you're much more friendly and casual and you converse with them. But yeah. So in the edge of 17, which I have not seen in a while, so I might get the details wrong, but when, when she's really upset and she does call her teacher who gives her a ride to a safe place until her family can take care of her. But that's not what happened here. If the teacher, if Miss Fine had just picked up Amy and Molly and taken them home or to a safe place and then left them there to figure out things on their own that would have been different than driving them to an you know unsupervised house party which I know I sound lame but I'm just saying like from a legal moral perspective on her part yes like, and then she gives them clothes that she just keeps in her car and then she goes into the party after them has a drink with one of her students and you know the implication is that they had sex Again, this goes back to no consequences because she has no consequences from this. It's barely mentioned, even at the end. You know, I just, outrageous. It felt so out of place. And I know the purpose of her was to be like, this is what happens if you don't have fun when you're a high schooler. You make bad decisions in your 20s. But this, this is a bad decision. (laughs) There's no, there's no excuse for this. Mm -mm. No. I'm glad that you feel that way as well. Also, on a lighter note, this soundtrack was way too cool for these girls. All the music, like the hip-hop music they played. I'm sorry, these girls are dorks. They're nerds, which is fine. They're clearly very confident in themselves, but that music was way too cool for them. Yeah, like that's not music that I would have listened to as a teen. And even the teens that I knew at the time that maybe had better taste than I did in music, didn't have access to that good of music. There were really funny little moments, though. Like, whenever Molly is trying to convince Amy to go to the party that night, and Amy's like, well, we were going to watch that Ken Burns documentary, (laughs) but I guess going to a party is okay. I love that scene where, what's the rich kid who has no friends? What's his name with the freckles? Oh. I can picture him perfectly. I can too. I can't think of his name, though. But whenever he goes up to speak for Molly at the valedictorian speech until she gets there and the principal's like that doesn't sound like Molly would ask you to do that and then he says you know well she says on the senate floor a proxy can be uh-huh. you know allowed to speak in place and the principal's like okay yes I get it that sounds like her get up there oh so good that's another thing I didn't believe like he complains that money doesn't buy friends and that's true money might not buy true friendship but I feel like in high school, it definitely buys acquaintances. Like, that was a oh, that party was kick-ass. Like, there weren't any people there, but it was on a boat. It was catered. There was alcohol. There were drugs. There was a dance floor. Like, you can't... I can't believe that no one else in their high school class went to it. We absolutely would have gone. Even if we didn't mm-hmm. actually like the kid. I mean, at least in my school, I'm pretty sure most of the quote, popular kids, didn't actually really like each other. So, like, why did this kid not have any friends? I don't, I don't mean, I don't really believe it. There was a lot of questionable stuff, and not that I'm trying to sound like I'm picking it apart by any means, 
because I mean, not that I watch movies for uh, the realistic aspects, but at the same time, I think that if you're marketing this as a coming-of-age movie, it should be a little bit more realistic. Like, Spider-Man is never marketed as a coming-of-age movie, but it has aspects. So I think, I don't know. It does have aspects. I'm just thinking of little Miles and his mask now. Oh, man. I still, I will say, I definitely, like, physically laughed many, many times watching this. Even for the second time. It is it is very funny. And it is refreshing. Mm-hmm. It's very, fem- I mean, it tries to be very feminist. We have these great leads with, a, with an excellent dynamic. It's a fun movie. If you haven't seen it yet, you should definitely watch it sometime. When you're in the mood for that. A little bit of nostalgia, a little bit of coming of age. Yeah. A little bit of fun, you know. (laughs) Make a night of it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And definitely a movie that I've been watching a lot more in these recent times. Maybe it's because I miss, not that I've even ever been to a party like that one, but I, I miss the concept of parties. You know, sometimes you just want something that you know what to expect out of so it's kind of become a comfort movie it is very comforting and i actually thought the same thing like at the graduation i mean clearly i didn't miss out on a good graduation in 2020 because i was not graduating mm-hmm. from anywhere but i was like oh all these little kids graduating didn't get to have these moments and like the party i was thinking too like you couldn't have paid me enough to go to a party like that in high school but now I'm like, please, I'd love to go to a party where there's a bunch of people making small talk, drinking, going to, in a pool. Like, oh my gosh. Every time I watch TV or a movie now, though, that's what I'm thinking in the back of my head. Stop standing so close together. <laughs> Wear a mask. It's ruined it. Mm. But yeah, very fun. I'm, I'm so fascinated by this idea that you've watched it so many times. Have there been any other movies that you've just been kind of falling back to as a comfort? Because for me... It's usually comfort TV that I watch multiple times, not movies as much. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think for me it's movies because it's not as much of a time commitment. But I'm trying to think if there have been any. Probably the second closest thing has been... Okay, this is really weird. (laughs) So uh, probably the second closest thing, it's a tie, which this is doesn't sound comforting whatsoever, but... uh, Within the past year, I have seen Uncut Gems three times. Not that it's comforting, just happened to be that way, just was in the mood to watch that chaos unfold. And I have seen Knives Out, I want to say, three times in the past year, but that seems a little more on brand. I mean, it's it's a cozy murder mystery, so it is comforting. Yeah. <laughs> I would say if I had to choose one movie I've watched the most this last year... It's Crazy Rich Asians. I don't know why, but it's this cycle. Every time I see it, I want to eat pot stickers, and so I make some frozen pot stickers. And then every time I make pot stickers, I want to watch that movie. So I've done that like six times in the past ten months or so, (laughs) just because I've either been in the mood for the movie or the food. I don't know what lesson there is to learn from that except that I really hope they make a second one because I want more I want more too that is one that I I really enjoyed but I've only seen once so thank you for reminding me because now I need to watch it again that was a really delightful movie yeah it's it's fun for sure it is fun 
Do you have anything else you would like to discuss about Booksmart? Only thing left to comment on is the very first scene where Molly's meditating and how funny it is. It's like a book on tape or whatever, and it's like, you are better than anyone else. Fuck them all and their dumb fucking faces. And then she opens her eyes, takes out her retainer, and then the movie starts. <laughs> I think that's so fun. It's so serious. And because it's so serious, it's hilarious. So love that. And I'm a sucker for the ending too, where she comes back from the airplane. She's like, do you want to get pancakes? And even though I know it's like not a good ending, like character arc wise, I think it's really fun. And I'm like, oh yes, they don't have to leave yet. Go eat pancakes. Yeah, that ending... I experience such a range of emotions in that one scene. Like it, it, I get teared up every time that those two are like saying goodbye. And then immediately, you know, then there's that fun little dance that Amy does in front of the car and then they do get pancakes. And so it ends on a really nice, happy note. But yeah, quite the range of emotions. And one other fun scene that the scene you were talking about kind of leads into is when Amy is uh, picking up Molly for school and they're just dancing in front of her apartment for a minute and there's no music playing. They're just doing their thing. They're like, so we going to go to school today? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Yeah, they are. They seem like they have a lot of fun. They do, which I, I enjoy that because Contrary to popular belief, nerds can have fun. Yes, we can. (laughs) Especially with one another. Yes, for sure. So with that, I must ask you, have you watched any good movies or TV shows lately? I have, but I first want to go back and talk about a couple that I watched with this movie. Specifically... Eighth grade. Have you seen eighth grade? That was the one that was a little too cringy for me, but I applaud you for making your way through it. It was so good, but it was so cringy. Oh my gosh. And not cringy because it was bad, right? But no. cringy Mm-mm. because I was imagining myself in her shoes and I was so uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. Being 13 is the worst. How did any of us survive it? Oh, that movie portrayed that feeling of being 13 so well I guess 13 how old are you in eighth grade you're 13 right 12 13 I don't know 13 14 yeah like having a 14th birthday throughout the year oh it was so honestly it was so tough high risk high reward with that movie so tough to watch so satisfying to get to the end oh man so beautiful so if you are really into coming of age movies try it out I also that movie reminds me of how thankful I am that we didn't have like serious social media when we were 13 or like the ability to record ourselves oh, for you thank God. <laughs> can you imagine the cringy content sometimes like I find old Microsoft word perfect documents that I wrote when I was like 15 and I'm like oh god <laughs> delete I do have to say I did have a little bit of YouTube experience around that time but it was like when YouTube was brand new so it wasn't like a bunch of people were on there it wasn't like I was making videos for people to watch I mostly made AMVs if you're familiar with those at all oh wow I actually kind of wish I had more time on my hands to get back into AMVs because I I would love to just 
dive back into that embarrassing hobby, but yeah, I did do a couple of videos where like my cousin and I would be dancing to songs and we did like a oh god this is embarrassing we would like quote lines from Borat and then just upload the video if (laughs) if that doesn't sound like 2006 to you I don't know what does but (laughs) you missed the vine cutoff like the years were just a little bit off you know I think about that sometimes like how different it would be to grow up like I mean we're not ancient right you and I like Mm -hmm. Facebook was a thing when I was in high school but it wasn't as much of a thing as social media is now. It was still figuring things out, so it didn't matter as much. But yes, eighth grade. Traumatizing in its own unique way. So a movie I watched recently that I liked was called Brimstone. Never heard of this. Have you seen this? Okay. So it's a Western that does really interesting things with religion and the patriarchy and narrative sequence. It's set up where, so chronologically, if you break the story into like, one, two, three, four. It shows three, two, one, four. Ooh. So it starts near the end, goes backwards to the beginning, and then it hits you with the finale, which is interesting. And I know it's not the first movie to do something like that, but it's the first one I've seen. So I really liked that. I will say content warning for like sexual violence, graphic violence, like it's very Wild West. <laughs> People get hurt in really horrifying ways. But if you can handle that, like I thought it was very interesting. Some parts were very cheesy, but it had, I think her name's Dakota Fanning, but she was really good. Whichever famous white girl it was who I like, like she was really good in it. So I I watched that and I really did like it. What about you? What have you been watching recently? Well, thank you for the Brimstone recommendation because I have never heard of that. So I'm going to have to look that up after we get off here. I only watch. Okay, so I was very bored one night and I saw a list of like whatever how many movies that horrified people and I was reading the summaries and I was like this one actually sounds not horrifying at all it sounds really good and I looked it up and it's on one of those sites that has free movies but with ads so I didn't even have to like okay download it illegally right I just like I just watched it that night and it was also it was very long it was like two and a half three hours long so Keep that in mind. But yeah, very interesting narrative structure. I think you'd like it. Okay. I always like an interesting narrative structure. So that's good to know. So I will say that the past couple of weeks, I haven't been watching as many movies that I feel like I could recommend. And that is mainly because after watching Judas and the Black Messiah, I was uh, a little bit shaken up by that one. And I, I think it's just because of the, the subject matter, uh, and especially with the fact that it actually happened, it was just very um, hard to deal with, hard to shake that one off. And this doesn't happen to me often. Normally, even if a movie is um, a lot to handle, I'm usually good at not feeling affected by it afterwards. But in that case, which this has only happened a couple of times, I would say within the past year, even though I I think when I counted, I watched like 83 movies last year. Sometimes if something is too much, I have to pre-screen everything I watch for however long until I feel okay again. So I really haven't been watching too many movies that I would necessarily want to recommend because I currently have Disney+. Plus. I've just been watching 
your typical Disney fare. I'm getting out of that now. I feel okay to start watching heavier stuff again, so I watched No Country for Old Men last weekend. Isn't that a western? It is kind of like a modern western. It takes place in the 80s, I want to say, and uh, it's written and maybe directed, too, by the Coen brothers, and holy shit, is this a good movie? I mean, it's very violent, very intense. I will say it has a bit of a slow start, but after the first 20 minutes, fully into it, couldn't wait to see what happened next. It's great. So I would I would recommend that if you can handle, once again, you know, something that's kind of intense and uh, violent and stuff, but that was really good. And uh, that's really the only new thing that I've watched lately that I would recommend. Otherwise, it's just been like Aladdin and stuff like that, which, you know, everyone knows what Aladdin is, but... You know, I will say one of my favorite underrated Disney movies is Sleeping Beauty. The plot itself, very assaulty, but the art. I think that movie is stunning. It's beautiful. The color work is so fantastic. And I'll also say I am very excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier to come out. I have a question for you. Okay. I'm curious. I hope that this doesn't break your brain by any means, but I know that you have said in the past that you judge characters by how nice they are to Tony Stark and therefore you don't like Wanda Maximoff and you don't, you're not hyped to see WandaVision. I will watch it, to be clear. I know exactly what you're about to ask, but go ahead. (laughs) Yes. I'm interested how how your thoughts on uh, The Winter Soldier are, considering that, spoiler alert, for those who haven't seen Captain America Civil War, he murdered the Stark parents. Wasn't that movie out in, like, 2018? I feel like we don't need spoiler alerts for movies that are that old. (laughs) Yeah, so The Winter Soldier murders Tony Stark's parents, right? Here's, okay, I feel like I love this question, But tell me if I'm talking too much, because it's very off-topic for this episode, okay? Here's the thing. That's okay. The Winter Soldier was a victim of torture, and he was brainwashed into doing those things. He was a tool used by Hydra to kill Tony Stark's parents. So I forgive him, and here's the thing. I feel like Tony would eventually as well, because it wasn't Bucky, it wasn't his fault. The real betrayal was Steve Rogers lying to him about it. So... I'm fine with the Winter Soldier, actually. I think okay. he's great. And I, I'm really sad that he and Tony Stark didn't get more or really any screen time together. Can you imagine the quips <laughs> between the two? But that's the thing. The Winter Soldier was a tool. It wasn't his fault. The events of Civil War, even, like he's just coming out of brainwashing like that day, essentially. So it's not that he's blameless, but his act, he's really just kind of going with the flow. He's sticking with the one person he recognizes, all very understandable. And in Siberia, the fight, right, Bucky's reactions were very instinctual. It's Steve who's fucking things up. And I will, I will fight people to my dying day about this. Tony Stark was angry and lashing out, but he was not fighting to kill. Because if he was... That entire bunker would be demolished. No, I agree with that. There would be no bodies to find. Yeah. You know, like he had a tank. Remember in Iron Man 2 with that laser and he just cut through everything in a circle? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there would be no super soldiers left. I'm sorry, there wouldn't. But I also, I will say, 
I love Sebastian Stan. <laughs> and I'm very excited to see him and Anthony Mackie. Like, have you seen the latest clip where they're talking about aliens, um, androids, and sort okay. No, I, I'm going it's in completely blind. <laughs> I don't like to watch trailers, so that, that's true. I forgot that. You know, my that's hope okay. is that in this TV show, they let Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie kind of be themselves and bring comedy to this duo. And according to what I've seen in the trailers, I have high hopes that that's going to happen. And so I'm excited about it. But yeah, so I have a lot more feelings about all of this. But generally speaking, yeah, I'm fine with the Winter Soldier. Or I should say I'm fine with Bucky Barnes because he didn't do anything. He was used. He was used. He was a victim. So, and I think Tony Stark would have come to terms with that. And he might have even in the moment if he had, you know, been warned by someone who knew about it for two years or whatever. So those are my thoughts. I'm, I'm still excited. But I also might not watch it until it's all... Here's the, you know, WandaVision, week by week. I don't know if I have the patience for that. I barely have the patience to wait for each Bob's Burgers episode that comes out each week. You know, I don't know if I could handle a drama <laughs> week by week. Mm-hmm. What am I? Reading Charles Dickens? I want it all now. <laughs> I get that. It is agonizing sometimes to wait week by week, but I do really like the weekly discussions that can result yeah you've mentioned that yeah like, the culture like feeling like you're watching it with a big group of yeah people. and like we've talked about before like the last time i felt that was during game of mm-hmm. thrones where i felt like i was watching it every weekend with someone so i mean that's a good point maybe I, maybe i'll try that out for falcon and the winter soldier i don't know either way i'm excited about it are you gonna watch it oh yeah i'll definitely be watching it i think it comes out soon yeah as of this recording, it'll be, yeah, next week. So by the time that this airs, it will be out for a, a week or two. Here's my question. Do you think that I should try to watch WandaVision before Falcon and the Winter Soldier? I don't know how WandaVision will tie into the Winter Sol- Falcon and the Winter Soldier, if it even will. I personally was kind of lukewarm on WandaVision as a whole, so... If you want to, by all means, I support people really liking WandaVision. I'm happy for them. I saw one trailer for it, and I pretty much guessed everything that was about to happen, but I didn't have that confirmed, obviously, until I saw, like, I came across a couple of spoilers during the last episode when people were posting about it on Twitter, and I was like, okay. So I was absolutely correct in everything that I guessed was happening from just the trailer. So why should I watch I don't know. You've mentioned this before, but like you, ex- I was hoping for more, more experimental stuff, more weird stuff, mm-hmm. more like breaking tropes and things. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. If you have the time and you want to watch it, I support that. I just, for me, it, it didn't add up to much, but it was nice to have something to watch week to week. Haven't had that experience in, like, a little over a year, so that was good. People did seem to get very enthusiastic about it. Even people who don't usually watch and talk about Marvel things, like we do sometimes when we're at our nerdiest. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of mainstream people were watching this, which I was surprised by. You know, maybe they just, maybe just came out at the right time. We're all a little bored. We're all still in our houses. Well, we should be still in our houses. We need something new and magical. And here we have it, I guess. (laughs) Maybe that's why. Well, with that, 
This has been another episode of the Friendly Neighborhood Filmcast. Your Friendly Neighborhood Filmcast, not the Friendly Neighborhood Filmcast. A little of both. It's ours and it's the best one. Yes. Thank you. Until we meet again.